The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, we want to say happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there, and uh, you are appreciated. I hope you're going to be celebrated today. I heard about some trips out to uh, Fort Casey, some barbecues, some brunches, so Hopefully you feel celebrated, loved, cared for. Also, I know that for some Mother's Day isn't always happy. There are certain challenges to it, but I wanna pray for that and also a blessing on moms and then we'll continue with our gathering today. Father, thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your work in every heart. Thank you for every mom. And I do pray that it would be a blessed day. I do pray there would be moments of celebration and there are moms that would feel so cared for, so pampered, so loved because of all that moms do. We're grateful for it. But we also acknowledge that for some, Mother's Day is a challenge. And I pray you would surround those individuals. I pray that your comfort, invitation of your Holy Spirit to be the comforter and encourager God would be present for every one of those individuals as well. Again, we thank you for your goodness and grace as we celebrate Mother's Day today. In Jesus' name, amen. I also want to take a moment and uh, mention that based on, you know, for everyone's generosity, we were able to make a $5,000 donation to the Pregnancy Resource Center in Everett on behalf of Grow Mom. So yeah, uh, appreciate that immensely as well. Um, before we jump into the message today, we're in a series called Reclaiming Relationships, and today's actually going to be the last one. But before we get to that, I want to mention that next week, as most of you are aware, is Miracle Sunday, and we've been talking about it for a few weeks now, looking at trying to uh, build the building and not keep postponing it as we've been trying to work on this for about 10 years, and here we are. If you want to go back and listen or you need more information, um, it's on our website. You can go on our app and check it out. You can also email info at grove.church and ask me uh, for the, the, I sent out about a three-page letter uh, just to the church body. If you didn't get that, I want to make sure you do. But um, I want to uh, mention that, like I said, next week, May 21st is Miracle Sunday with our goal of raising 650000 to begin the project. And uh, I want to celebrate for a second here that, um, you know, we've had this goal, 650 there. And on the little thermometer here, um, the good news is we've got so far, and we haven't even got to Miracle Sunday yet, we're already right about there. So um, praise God for that. Yeah, something worth celebrating. Also want to mention, we've been saying, hey, be prayerful about what, you know, each of us can do. We believe God is the one who can multiply loaves and fish. And uh, so looking forward to getting where we're going next week. Be prayerful. And uh, it's going to be something to celebrate. So there you go. I also want to say this, and you're not used to seeing a table and chairs up here on a Sunday morning, but today's a little bit different. I want to introduce somebody who's going to tag team with me. And uh, her name is Heather. So Heather, why don't you come on up here? And uh, we're going to introduce... If you're, if you're not familiar with, with Heather, um, she married me almost 24 years ago. So uh, this is my wife. She's taken. So guys, back off. Uh, anyway, I'm just kidding. But uh, we're going to jump into, like I said, reclaiming relationships. And uh, the last thought that we have is a challenging one. We'll get to that in a moment. But before we do, just a brief recap on this series. The whole reason for doing this series is because from my perspective, and I think from a, a Christ-centered perspective, our world has taught people to do certain things when it comes to relationships that are not okay. And, and, and when it comes to, like I said, reclaiming relationships, especially as you look at the last three years, the way people have been written off and all this polarization, all that goes on, we've learned patterns that creep right into the way that you and I do relationship. And we believe that there's a better way. I know it's easy to say it, uh, the Jesus way, but but there's something about how God has designed us to do relationship that is different than our world. And so we're going to jump into the last part of the conversation today. But in part one, we talked about how we were created for belonging and yet relationships are hard and we need to do relationships 
Um, They start with us in light of our faith in Christ. That was part one. Part two, we talked about the need for humility in every relationship and what it looks like to walk in humility. Part three, we talked about communication and the power of words and and, and that, you know, how we carry ourselves and what we say and how we say it matters to a great degree. In fact, at the end of that message, we talked about challenging you to memorize Philippians 4, 8, where Paul says, whatsoever things are noble, pure, lovely, just, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Focus on those things because Jesus said those things that we put our heart on is what comes out of us. Those things that we put, you know, focus our heart onto is is what comes out of us and how big of a deal that is. And then last week, Evan did a great job talking about forgiveness. And, And that really, if you say that you're a follower of Christ, this is a high bar, but here's the deal. Forgiveness is not an option. And again, go back and listen to the message. Look at what scripture teaches us in light of what Christ has done for us. Forgiveness is not an option. You can go back and listen. And today we're going to jump into the final conversation and I'll let my wife take it away from here. So. Yes. Good morning. Oh, I didn't turn this on. Good morning. Hello. There, we, there we go. Good morning. I didn't even say hi to you yet. And so I need to say hi just as some groundwork before I introduce our subject, which is a little heavy today. Um, I, I do want to acknowledge uh, Good Morning Online Church. I didn't get to host today. And apparently there's a giveaway, if you can guess my birthday today. And one of you uh, guessed that I was born in 1984. And I just want to say thank mm. you so much. God I really appreciate that. Um, that. That was I, a Mother's Day gift right there. Yes, that was the best gift I could have uh, been ever, ever I thought been you were given. born in 1989. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. And then you said we were bo- we were married for 24 years, so I can't even do the math on that. But Arkansas, that would mean we got married. In I got Arkansas. married very, very young. But uh, <laughs> sorry, just offended all the people in Arkansas. If you're watching, from, if you're watching from Arkansas and you just hung up, it's too late. Shoot, yes. Okay. So hint for my birthday is that I was. Um, maybe hint. this is too much of a hint. What are you hinting for? I don't know, because I, because I, they're my friends and I want them to win. Okay. All right. Well, you know, if you've guessed January, February, March, Uh April, May, you're wrong. Okay. (laughs) I just eliminated half of the year. So now you have to guess the rest of the half of the year. Okay. Anyway. All right. So (laughs) I don't even know your birthday. (laughs) Just kidding. That was a joke. We're going to reconcile our marriage after this. Okay. So yes. Okay, so with that, our topic is reconciliation today. Because you cannot have a a relationship series named uh, Reclaiming Relationships without talking about reconciliation. And I know I just want to get rid of some of the elephants in the room before we even begin, because I know some of you that that uh, brings up so much emotion, right? Just with the word, you're breaking out in hives, because... uh, Reconciliation is super nuanced and layered and is fraught with emotion. And it's not something that can be uh, sort of discussed normally in 25 minutes. It's not that there's uh, simple steps. Follow these steps and all your relationships are going to be good. It doesn't work that way. It's something that we are all, this is a conversation we are all working out. And I have a feeling over the last few years, if I were to have you all raise your hand, if you've uh, been a part of or observed some relationship that has sort of disintegrated in the last few years, I think most people would probably raise their hand. So I told Nick uh, earlier in the week that this is such a deep heavy conversation that I would like to avoid it altogether. I do not, I don't want to talk about it today. Let's just leave it, uh, you know, in the back room where we don't talk about how, oh yeah, there's some relationships that we need to reconcile. But because it is so deep and heavy, 
but also uh, so normal and, and something that so many people are dealing with, then it makes me want to jump right into the conversation all the more and have some honesty about the conversation. So uh, that is one thing. Also, happy Mother's Day. This isn't really the normal sort of lighthearted, encouraging topic that you uh, tackle on a Mother's Day. But you, one of the things I like that you said is with this topic on Mother's Day is this. There are moms in this room that you have prayed yeah. that, that God would do a work in your kids when it comes to dealing in a relationship correctly. Or there are moms that have prayed for you in this room, and you know that even when we talk about this, there are names that come to mind that they're praying that you would reconcile because there is not a mother out there that wants their kids to live bitter and you know frustrated and, and you know avoiding certain people for all those reasons. So mm-hmm. I like that you said that because on one hand, happy Mother's Day, what a tough topic. On another hand, yeah, but there are moms that are praying for some real breakthroughs and miracles. And maybe today, based on some conversation, we can move you closer that direction. Right. So and this is something I also want to, another elephant in the room I want to acknowledge is that not all relationships can or should be reconciled in the way that we think of reconciliation. That there are things that will happen or have happened uh, in your life, maybe to you or to somebody you love, that you're never going to be buddies with that person, and you shouldn't. If somebody hurts my children physically, I'm not going to invite them to move in with me or go out to dinner with them, probably. But the point of reconciliation is that we are people of reconciliation, that ultimately, as people of the gospel, that we want people to be reconciled to a holy God, and that is our ultimate goal, and that is the ultimate uh, part of my heart that I have for someone. Whether or not relationship continues between me and a person is... uh, secondary to the fact that I want them to be reconciled to God. And um, so I just want to say that uh, most things that happen in our life when we have conflict with people don't come under that category of shouldn't be reconciled. Most things are simple slights, misunderstandings, a difference of opinion, things like that where uh, we have just written somebody off, but it didn't need to be that way and shouldn't be that way as people of the gospel. And so as we jump into this, uh, there's a couple of texts that we're going to tackle. If you're taking notes, you can write down 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 21. And, and let me start here. What Paul says in that text is that you and I, if you say, I'm a follower of Christ, I've surrendered, I believe in what Jesus has done for me, I, I surrender. If that's you and you're in this room, then, then what Paul says is that you and I are ministers of reconciliation. And here's the thing, what that means when Paul says it, and we're going to talk about the context here, is, is on one hand, it is that you and I help lead people to who Jesus is, that we want desperately for those that we care about, those that we work with, those that we live around or whatever, we want them to know who Jesus is. We believe that matters. But when Paul talks about the ministry of reconciliation, it's super important for you to understand, it's really hard for you to point people to Jesus and the person who reconciles them because of the cross without living out reconciliation in the relationships along the way because there are plenty of people in the litany of relationships in our lives that can look at us and go, oh, you, you, you do the church thing or you're a Jesus follower. Yeah, but don't you hate them and you gossip about them and you don't like them and you've said that thing about them and you avoid all these people all over because you haven't reconciled. Paul says, as a minister of reconciliation, you've got to walk it out in your relationships. Otherwise, it's completely hypocritical. It doesn't work that way. So um, it's important to remember that. And, and, and at the core, it's because grace in its truest form is given 
uh, when it's completely undeserved. And, and mercy along the same lines is, is most beautiful when the offense deserves the greatest of punishments, but it's not received. You don't have to give the punishments. Or that forgiveness is most powerful when it is the hardest to give. So you and I are ministers of reconciliation. Yeah. We're going to read a, a scripture that is really beautiful, and Paul lays out some great ground rules and a fantastic roadmap for relationships, including conflict. And so we want to do something a little bit differently in that. Uh, we want to read two different passages, and normally when we do that, we read passage and then we read passage. But today, we want to take those two passages and sort of interlace them because Paul is talking to two different uh, groups of people, two different churches about the same issue. It's the same author talking about the same thing. He's just talking to two different people. And so he uses a little bit different language in that. And as we were reading, we we're like, oh my goodness, he's, he's uh, talking about the same thing. And so we're going to uh, interlace them, but it requires a little bit of work on your mind to pay attention. So we're going to have it on the screen. And every single time, the two passages that we have, if you're uh, taking notes, you can write down are Colossians 3 verses 1 through 17, as well as 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 20. And every time that we are reading something from Colossians, it's going to be in blue. And when we're reading from 2 Corinthians, it's going to be in green. So you can see uh, how those two things are going to be interlaced. Before we read it, I just want to take a second and I want to implore you. I want to uh, speak to your heart for, for just a moment that uh, if there are relationships in your life that you have that are awkward or there's conflict or you don't speak to that person anymore. And when I said reconciliation, that person came to your mind. Here's what I want from you. Here's what I think the Lord's heart for, for you today is, is for you to hold that up to him, to the Holy Spirit. And in the next few minutes, as we read the scripture, for you begin to ask the Lord, what does it look like for me to offer reconciliation to yeah. this person? To what That's degree, good. to what actual practical steps would you have me do so that um, I can have that reconciliation heart for this person. Um, I'm going to pray real quick, if that's okay. Holy Spirit, we do ask you to move in each of our hearts, God, that we do not want to have one area of our life, we do not want to have one relationship in our life that we withhold from your spirit. Right. We don't want to say, don't touch that one. God, I am not going there. But God, we want to hold it all up to you and ask what you would do in order for um, reconciliation ultimately to you to happen for every person in our lives. But God, possibly also uh, that we would be open to how you might want to reconcile relationships that we have buried. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start in the blue, which is Colossians at verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So Paul says, set your minds and your hearts on things above. Another way to say that is uh, that we would make a willful choice with our minds, our hearts to seek, desire, think about God's ways, to invite him into our our minds and our hearts and our conversations so that his will and how his kingdom works is what would be worked out in the nitty-gritty of our lives. Uh, verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. 
Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So say this after me. Regard no one. Regard no one. From a worldly point of view. From a worldly point of view. Easier said than done, right? Um, what does this mean? Well, we're going to keep on reading to see what that worldly point of view that we would naturally be bent towards regarding and looking at people through. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So you might think, okay, well, I'm kind of good. I don't really, you know, I don't have a lot of greed or uh, um, evil desires. I'm not lusting after people. Uh, You might think, oh, I'm fine. But here's the deal. Regarding somebody from a worldly point of view, if we look at that list, is really to look at them through the lens of what can I get out of them? How can I use this person to further my own agenda for my own pleasure, for my own success, to look at them of how I can get more and how I can maybe get money or power. That's a worldly point of view of how we look at someone. Um, I think I lost where I was in the, in, in the scripture. Okay, so that's, that's that part. Uh, this, I did want to say this, though. If we look at our culture... And how we can best, I think, look at our culture is to look at our movies, our television shows, the uh, music we listen to. You see sprinkling of all these things, lust, impurity, all that worldly point of view. So we are inundated with a worldly point of view, and yet we are implored by Paul to not regard people through that lens of the worldly point of view. So as we continue... Oh, sorry. No, I just said tricky. Oh. Difficult. Yes. Uh, Verse 6 in in Colossians 3, it says, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Another list. Anger, malice, rage, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and image of its creator. In other words, the the idea is to look through the lens of without Christ, relationships often are colored by anger, ill will, put downs, belittling, dirty jokes, innuendos, lying. And that's normal. And Paul would say, unless you and I are in Christ, then our relationships should not be colored by those things. Verse 11, here be meaning in Christ, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but now Christ is all and is in all. Now those distinctions for you and I don't mean a whole lot, but modern day you could say it this way. In in Christ there is neither male, female, black, white, tribal member, non-tribal member, rich, poor, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian. Because of Christ, the message version says it this way, Everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. In other words, even for those in your world where maybe there's a level of conflict, again, major or minor, but there's a disagreement uh, politically, there's a disagreement, you know, socially, there's a disagreement more, there's a disagreement about belief systems or religion or whatever, that for you and I, we look through the lens of not a worldly point of view, but in Christ. In other words, God loves that person. 
God cares about who they are. God cares that however I interact with that individual, that I can extend light and life to them instead of writing them off because they somehow don't agree with me, which again, this is a tall order in the world that we live in. Let's go back to the last three years and go mask or no mask vaccine. And we, we can go there and, and people get all uncomfortable. How many relationships have been severed or strained because of certain beliefs about certain things? And yet for you and I to look through the lens of Christ, Jesus, you care about them. Help me care about them. He goes on to say this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, and here's how we operate with everyone, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There's another one of Paul's lists. Remember we said Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever things are noble, lovely, pure, admirable, you know, excellent, great, here's another list. How you operate with everyone around you in a marriage, as parents, whatever it might be, but with those who disagree or that we don't seem to like for certain reasons, can I still or I need to still operate with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? It's a challenge, but that's what we're called to do. And then verse 13, this is Colossians 3, verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive uh, and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's the high bar. For you, if you're a follower of Christ, the bar is high. It's not an easy bar. I can live doing whatever I want, feeling however I want, treating people however I want, but I'm a Christian. No, 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 hold on. The bar is high. You want to follow Jesus? Then it's going to take a level of sacrifice, self-sacrifice to do what we're called to do. And that's the bar. Bear with each other. The minor things... Um, uh, forgive one another if any of you has grievance against anyone as the Lord forgave you entirely. All right, Colossians uh, verse 14 here. 314, yeah. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love is the gorilla glue of relationships. It uh, makes that forgiving and, and overlooking the faults and make allowances a whole lot easier, and it greases the wheels of forgiveness mm -hmm. and reconciliation. That's good. Verse 18 now of Corinthians. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling, reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Uh, the message version says it this way, all this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him, and then called us to settle our relationships yes, with each there other. Is. There it is. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful, let the message of Christ of reconciliation dwell richly among you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So let that message dwell richly, richly among you. Think about that for a second. How does the message of Christ, the reconciling, forgiving, grace-giving message of Christ dwell richly among you in your conversations, in the air between you and another person, in your homes. We all struggle with that. We all have to work at that, yep. that message of True. Christ dwelling richly among 
my thoughts, among my attitudes. And I'm sure you are the same. Singing to God with gratitude. I love that phrase. Singing to God with gratitude. And let those hymns and praises be among you. But a bitter, withholding heart does not sing very beautifully, does it? It's an ugly, ugly strain that happens in relationships all among us. Yeah. Verse 20, going back to Corinthians 5, it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, practically beg you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It goes back to what I said. Our grace, our mercy, our forgiveness speaks volumes to the world around us. Be reconciled to the God of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. My life, our lives should speak reconciliation yeah. to God. Verse 21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Now back to Colossians three seventeen. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Because of Christ, I have been made right, so my words and actions come out of gratitude of the great act of love God has given me in Jesus. At the core, all of this boils down to, to super simplify, it's this. Overlook the little things. Forgive all things. Reconcile most things. Let me say that again. Overlook the little things. Don't you annoyed with your friend because of the way he chews his gum. You know, annoyed with your spouse because you didn't put the laundry here or there. And, you know, all kinds of different ways. Bear with it. Overlook all these little things that are pet peeves of yours. Overlook those or you'll never appreciate anybody around you, period. Okay, overlook the little things. Forgive all things. And go, go back to last week's message. Forgive all you. Well, you don't know what they did. No, no. You need to forgive because here's the deal. You've got to deal with the issue of bitterness in you or it will eat you up. And the other side of it is you've got to trust that God is going to deal with them because you don't necessarily know what they need. You think you might know what they need in vengeance, but God knows. Let him take care of it. Don't hold that in. And then, like we said, reconcile most things. And when we say that, Heather's going to talk about this, but I love it. It's, it's the hard work over the easy excuse. And she'll get into that in a second. But in relationships, we've got to model owning reconciliation over distance, over ghosting. So We are implored to regard no one in a worldly view. And when somebody, in a worldly view, when somebody does something to us, it's forget you. Right. I'm done. I'm not putting up with that. And in some ways, I get boundaries in that whole conversation, so I want to make allowance for that. But to view somebody from the cross of Christ means that we are no longer stuck in self-promotion or self-preservation mode. We are looking at them through the view and the lens of the grace of the cross of Jesus Christ. And in that, that means that we have maybe a short-term difficulty we have to have a hard conversation. We have to humble ourselves, maybe apologize. Short-term, that offers difficulty. Long-term, there's great benefit in that. So that's one choice. Or we can choose short-term easy, which is forget you. I'm just never going to talk to you again. I just don't want to go there. I'm just going to ignore that. I'm going to ghost you. 
But long term, then you've got a trail of bodies behind you and the people around you need a roadmap to all the landmines of relationships that you have. I won't sit next to that person. Oh, if I see them in Fred Meyer, I'm ducking out of the aisle because I, I refuse to look in their eyes. Uh, that is a long-term difficulty over the short term of, um, of I just don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm easier, easier right. in the short term. And we, right. we use that ghosting. I mean, it's a term that people use now for texting or uh, conversations, or maybe you have a date and you just ghost them. Uh, but that means that you just cut them out of your life. I'm just done. I don't want, I don't want to talk to them anymore, likely and usually without any explanation. And uh, I have a feeling if you were honest, a lot of you have had people do that in your life where they just are out and they've never even told you why. Now, there, there is some, in my homework for this message, I, I actually stumbled across this in looking up ghosting online. A couple other definitions included, and, and bear with me here, but they included uh, known as a French goodbye or an Irish goodbye. And so if you're part of those nationalities, maybe you got a little extra work to do to navigate towards reconciliation because that's maybe ghosting, your background. So, ghosting is called a French anyway, goodbye so or an Irish goodbye. That's what it said, French yes. or Irish goodbye. So. Or perhaps a German goodbye. Okay, and that's, I'm not, you know, you know, that can be personal. Those stubborn Germans, you know. So, I'm not stubborn. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep going here. Just moving on, guys. I think by saying that, that makes me stubborn, doesn't it? So, how do you deal with that? Um, anyway. So, if you're French or Irish or German or human, uh, you might be prone to ghosting. Okay. There you go. Anyway. Uh, so, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the degrees of reconciliation or practical steps just to acknowledge some, some ways that this might be played out in your life because relationships are hard, as we said. This is not anything where uh, in, you get to expert level. Mm-hmm. We're never going to reach there. There is no expert in this because every relationship and every person is different and every conflict is different, and so we have to acknowledge that. But... The good news is we have a guide in the Holy Spirit as people of the gospel. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. And so hopefully the goal would be to ask him and invite him into every relationship. Lord, what is it that you want me to know? What would you have me to do? And we're responsible responsible to that as we prayerfully (coughs) surrender all of our wants to him. Then we uh, maybe... There is hope for relationships that we thought never would have hope. Okay, so uh, a degree, if you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you towards someone, you can't get them out of your mind. You just can't get peace in a relationship that you know where there's been conflict. Um, one option is to reach out. Okay, Holy Spirit, what does this look like? What, what do you, would you have me do? And maybe that's just a simple text or a phone call. Or um, perhaps if you don't think that those would be received or they will not respond to those things, maybe an email. And we're not going to have perfect words. It's just not going to go that way, but it's that heart of humility. And maybe something so simple as, we used to be friends, and I really miss those times that we had together. I wish you well. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's perhaps you need to reach out and say, I need to apologize for something. Not getting into how they need to apologize to you. We're responsible for ourselves between us and the Lord and not their their responses. Um, But God, what would you have me do? So maybe it's an apology. I'm going to apologize. Okay, I did something a long time ago, and I feel like that just is over my head. I just wanted to say I'm so sorry. Yeah. 
And we're talking about degrees of reconciliation. The first example that she's talking about is, you know, if the relationship you know is going to remain distant, it's never going to be built, they're back and forth years and all that stuff. The first one is it's going to remain distant, but you know that there's something in you that I, I need to make it right. I need to at least communicate. The second one is a little further forward as far as relationship goes. If the Holy Spirit, again, is prompting you um, like above and your sense is that the relationship can be rebuilt to a degree, and that's a key there, to a degree, then I would say get a hold of the person with the intent of meeting face-to-face if that's possible. So maybe it is you send a text, or maybe it's a phone call or voicemail, or maybe it is an email, but the idea in that is saying, hey, any way that we can maybe sit down and chat face-to-face, you know, I'd love to talk about maybe some stuff that happened or where that tension is or, or, or something. Um, but again, it, it's, there's something that can be rebuilt. It may never be what it used to be. It's not going to be completely distant. Um, but you can do some work to build the bridge that it doesn't have this angst in you 2 a.m., you know, continues to bother you and you know something needs to happen. So that's the second one. The third one is this. If you believe the relationship can be and should be rebuilt, even though it's going to take work, I would, make a cha- I would, I would challenge you to, to sit down face-to-face for sure and have the conversation. And the idea there is with the intention of understanding, like we said a couple of weeks ago, seek to understand, not be understood as the conversation begins. So to sit down and seek to understand the hurt, to own whatever part you need to own, goes back to the humility conversation, and then make an appropriate apology. Genuinely say, I'm sorry. Use the words, will you forgive me? Without saying, well, yeah, forgive me, bud, or, or whatever. Um, make a genuine apology, and then make it a point to circle back after that sit-down conversation. And some of these, you might go, you know what? This person lives in, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, Maine, or they live in another continent or whatever, and we couldn't do that. Well, maybe try a FaceTime, or maybe try a Zoom at me. I know it's a little cheesy to be online to do this, but it might be a little better than simply sending an email and thinking it's somehow going to get better. These are ones where I would encourage you, if you can do it face-to-face, to make it a point to do that, and then circle back, because what happens sometimes is you'll meet to do some sort of reconciliation work, but if you leave it alone for a length of time, suspicion begins to creep in and you go, oh, did they really, or did we really, and then all this stuff starts coming in. Circle back and say, hey, why, you know, a couple weeks out or three weeks out, go, hey, why don't we grab coffee again? Why don't we sit down again and chat a little bit more? Here's what I know. When you do the hard work, it's going to be awkward, but when you do the hard work and circle back again, and then again, and then again, it's less and less awkward as time goes on. It's going to be awkward. I don't know how your marriage works, and we've never had to deal with big issues of reconciliation, but when Heather and I have a fight and there's a disagreement and we're trying to circle back to to sort of navigate it and deal with the need for forgiveness, I'll be honest with you, and maybe this is just me because I am a stubborn German at times, but it's always awkward in the moment when I know I need to make the apology. It's awkward then to make the apology, and it's always awkward afterwards for a period of time. You don't feel like joking around and being all light and fun like it normally maybe is. It takes some time to do that. In a similar way with these relationships that you know need to be rebuilt, do that work and realize through the awkwardness, it will become more and more normal to enjoy the relationship as time goes on. But it's going to take that time. And let me just say this. This applies like crazy, and I want you to think about it in the lens of friendships uh, workplace buddies, neighbors, we talk about that all the time, but, but I would really seriously challenge you to consider, especially with family, because here's what I know. 
There's going to be reunions. There's going to be holidays. There's going to be times where you're forced to be together. And, and while I want you to take it seriously in, in all these relationships, especially with family for a couple of reasons. One, there's all kinds of, of, of dynamics in these gatherings where you avoid and be in separate rooms for holidays. But the other part is this. This becomes in your stubbornness a generational curse you just continue to pass on. And, and your kids watch it and they do the same thing and now cousins hate each other, whatever else is going on. I really, really implore you to take a look at this and deal with what's going on in your hearts because these are the things that become stuff of legend down the road. We didn't talk for 50 years. I never saw them again and all that kind of stuff. And it should not be that way. Reclaiming relationships is very much about the work of reconciliation. So uh, we're going to wrap it up. I know Heather's going to pray. Any last comments you want to make and then we'll be done. Yeah, I just want to say that I really believe that someday we are going to have to give an account to the Lord for yeah. what we have done with our life, for the way that we have um, operated, for the choices we've made, how we've used our resources, our times, as well as how we've stewarded the gifts of the people around us. I think someday I will stand before the Lord and have to say mm -hmm. to him, this is what I did. And I want to acknowledge that uh, conflict equals hurt. For so many of you, this is, not, this is not easy. We have had to walk out some of this ourselves with different people as well, where it's deep hurt occurs. And yet, I want to be able to clear-eyed look at my Savior someday and say, I was obedient to the degree that you asked me to be. Even if the answer is there was never actual restoration of that relationship, I want to be obedient to my Savior. And I was reading um, a book called Moving Mountains by John Eldridge a couple of weeks ago, and he said this in talking about uh, conflict in relationships. He said he prayed this prayer, and I think it's a really powerful prayer that I have been praying over some relationships in my life, but it's this. Lord, I pray that there would be nothing but the cross between me and this other person. Fill in the blank. And if that's your starting point today, then yay, start there. Jesus, I pray that there would be nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ between me and this person, because the cross reminds me that I have done wrong too, yeah. that I am in need of grace and forgiveness just as much as the people around me. Let's yeah. pray. God, we do pray that, Lord, that as ministers of reconciliation, ultimately, for sure to you. But God, we also want to uh, model and be reconciliation to the people that you have given to us. That uh, God, First John talks so much about how we love you is by loving others. Yeah, that's right. And so God, I pray that we would become so good at loving people, to become so good at forgiveness and grace and mercy. Lord, I pray that we would work so hard at that becoming our normal reaction to people, that normal reaction to offenses, Lord, and that we would make allowance for one another's faults. God, that we would forgive everything and that we would reconcile to the best of our abilities as much as we can. God, I pray that we would pray that, pray that prayer of, Lord, let there be nothing between me and that person except the cross of Jesus Christ, the good, forgiving, salvation-offering cross. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.